Andre, welcome to uh, Commerce Talks episode number 49. Uh, last time we had the pleasure to get a cool introduction about your former life as um, uh, employee for Intershop and Elastic Pass. And today uh, we'd like to kick off our weekly, bi-weekly, monthly podcast uh, series. We don't know yet about what's happening in the small world of uh, e-commerce, which is the name of our bubble. So uh, uh, how was your last week, uh, uh, Andre? Great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Um, I think it's just uh, exciting. Another another exciting week at, at Spryker, um, getting to know the product and, and how we differentiate. So that's exciting. Other than that, it's getting warmer and warmer in uh, in Southern California. I think we are over the the winter. And uh, one important milestone that we are actually hitting this week, uh, just on a personal note, is that the kids, after just over a year, are going back to school, which is unbelievable. That's been probably the biggest challenge we faced. And who who is more happy, kids or parents? Um, I think the the parents, I would say, even though I yeah. think the kids are excited to, uh, you know, to have the social interaction, which is, yeah. I think, super critical. Cool. And we also talk about uh, today the happiness level of uh, uh, a very big group in our ecosystems uh, ecosystem, which is the analyst group. Um, so we'd like to discuss the question. Um, will review platform replace the role of the analyst? So um, uh, we we have seen a tre tremendous growth of the review platforms, um, especially in the English-speaking countries, which is Trustradius, G2, Gartner has an own review platform. Uh, um, and we have a, a launch of a review platform in Germany called the OMR review platform. And um, what um, I'm seeing is that More and more customer journeys use the content from review platforms uh, um, pretty much as uh, we have seen it in B2C with uh, Holiday Check or uh, uh, Yelp.com, um, also very big B2C uh, review platforms. Um, and this leads to the questions, if the analysts are not needed anymore in the future or will they do like another job not explaining the customer what a software is standing for or what are the pros and cons but rather have a way more um a uh, way more sophisticated uh, job maybe you can sh you have been longer in the business uh, um, than me uh, and you have been uh, you have been active with um, intershop uh, in the US like even like 15 years ago um, i think so can you share from your experience how analysts were used back in the day and how it changed over the last 10, 15 years, especially the ones that are relevant in the US, which is uh, Forrestar, um, Gartner, um, also IDC. Um, do, do you have a view on that? Yeah, I mean, I have I've been working with the analyst community uh, for quite some time now. Um, it's It's been almost a decade now. Um, you know, the large ones that you mentioned, Forrestar, Gartner, IDC, there are some others. And They always played an important role, especially for more the enterprise customers and more the complex needs that companies have. And I think there's a there's a big distinction between analysts and if you take the word analyst and analysis versus reviews. Um, I think they they play um, you know there's a difference there. So I think it's it's really a review is typically. A, 
you you share your experience on, on how you applied in your specific case the challenges that that you were facing well i think the analysts come at way earlier and they they kind of really decompose a market they really go through the different facets of the markets and the trends and how the different vendors play within the market so it's really a a study and research <clears throat> more than a specific review and for that reason alone i think you know both both sides are really important you know for companies to to consider but really the analysts and consultants i think uh they typically have a strategic engagement with many companies you know they i mean it's they obviously they are getting paid by their clients they kind of talk through the roadmap the vision how a company uh, wants to execute or should be executing on their strategy um and what they should be considering you know in their long term strategy um so i think there's a big big difference um you know between again some industry peer reviews and and the analyst community but the the review platforms uh, emerged especially uh, uh in the last five uh, five to ten years they were focusing on smbs Uh, in the beginning, so uh, they're rather focused on reviews in the commerce space on WooCommerce, um, Shopify, uh, Volusion, and others. Uh, and now there's more and more enterprise companies um, um, joining uh, joining the review groups. Um, and especially Gartner, I think, kicked it off two years ago. The Gartner review portal is kind of new in the in the Gartner world, and uh, you see a tremendous amount of reviews also in the Gartner uh, um, portal. And even analysts are saying that their review um uh, vendors um from all different spaces so not only commerce but also product information management systems uh, dmps and others based on uh, uh based on the reviews uh, um review platform their own review platform most most likely so and, and this is kind of a change that's happened in the last like three to five years so do you think that um easy questions or questions that are more related to basic functionality of platforms um, are now going rather to review platforms instead of analysts? I think one big trend that we potentially have seen is that practitioners feel more comfortable to share. I, I think folks were more enclosed. They were also not as experienced. Maybe they didn't feel as comfortable to uh, to talk and share between peers so I think that comfort level definitely increased over the past few years. Um, I think if you look at some of the events, unfortunately, we uh, we haven't seen any face-to-face -face events or, you know, the personal events uh, in the past year. But just that exchange alone is so critical for many practitioners to kind of talk to their peers, share the experience, um, share how a platform has been applied or solution uh, in their specific use case. And I think people feel more comfortable to talk about it, you know, and, and kind of gain actually insights and value with that exchange, not just giving information away um, or the perception of giving information away, um, but also like really, really understand and, and broaden their horizon by, by having that exchange with, with other peers. And I think the, the market got fairly complex, you know, again, we moved away from just a, traditional web store that we had in the past um, to uh, to really like how do you 
best serve your customer, you know, in all the different ways, you know, from customer experience to supporting different touch points, uh, digitize, digitizing uh, traditional processes, etc., etc. So I think that is one of the reasons why some of the platforms, uh, the, the review platforms that you mentioned, G2, Trustradius, Gartner, etc., um, you see more and more folks moving there and, and share some of the reviews to help to help other companies as well. I mean, with Gartner, what was interesting to me is they always did their, as part of their evaluation, they talked to, to reference customers, the vendors provided. Now they actually want to have it accessible to everybody. So they created this Gartner Peer Insights um, and rather than just talking to them, they want to have vendors submit reference customers, you know, or, or reviews of reference customers in there so that it can be shared. Um, so, so I think, again, part of it is, I think, the comfort level that increased and knowing that these peer reviews, you know, are trusted reviews. It creates trust uh, within the community. Hmm. Okay, and um, could you describe cases where review platforms um, do have a limit? Uh, and you described it now with uh, with the different systems that are um, used in such a big project: uh, the PIM, the PIM system, the order management system, the whatever system. But I agree here. So it's a very complex world, but the world is even so complex that. Most analysts only understand or can focus on a very small part of such a project. So the analyst is not able to tell you anymore what kind of platform is best for your case, but he can also share, uh, he can only share and focusing on um, his or her own experience, which kind of leads to even more traffic to review platforms because uh, um, there's so much content in there and it's kind of a very good Clusters and, clustered and attributed content so you can filter by company size for example something you don't have in the b2c world so in the b2c world uh, 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 you would have the the review from a student for a premium restaurant has the same weighting uh, like a review from a, uh, from a gourmet uh, um, customer on the uh, on the review platform is different so the review pl platforms usually know the size of the customer the role of the person who was giving the review, um, the industry. So you can select the reviews based on your own specific needs. So there are way more advanced filtering technologies. And that is kind of a level of knowledge which most analysts, they just don't have. They have aggregated knowledge and of, of, um, uh, often they have a very limited knowledge of their specific niche. Obviously, they know the history of their niche because they are often they are analysts for now than 5, 10, 15 years. But there's more and more cases from my point of view, and maybe you have a different view, where review platforms might have a stronger or better opinion on a specific customer pro problem um, than analysts uh, uh, can help here. Do you agree or do you see it totally different? Um, I think there are two parts. I... I... I agree and 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 not disagree, but uh, there are also some nuances. Um, for one, I think in in e-commerce, maybe play obviously and and finding the right solution or the right shortlist of vendors that you should be looking at. It, it's it can be really daunting to kind of just go by filter criteria. I think there is 
it's really tough. You know, yes, of course, the industry is important. Um, your size of the company is important, but but then it gets really complex uh, around, you know, what's what's your uniqueness of the business and how do you how do you accomplish that? You know, what are your integration requirements, for instance? What are your deployment infrastructure requirements potentially? Do you have regulated goods versus non-regulated goods, and what are the requirements around that? That's going to be hard to filter, just um, you know, on a review platform. For me, it comes down a little bit on, you know, if you look at how do you start your research and how do you select your list of vendors to evaluate, you know, that I think where analysts can play an important role or where some of the, uh, um, um, you know, evaluations that they release can play an important role. So, for instance, and, and that might be hard to do by customer reviews, right? Um, so, if I if I buy a TV, for an example... You know, I, I don't just jump in into the customer reviews to uh, down select the TV that I might want to buy. But, you know, I, I look at the experts. Like for me, for instance, one of the go-to sites is CNET. And, you know, CNET um, just has already uh, tested a bunch of TVs. You can obviously you have to define, is it for gaming? Is it for movies? Is it for watching sports? And then you define or sub-select um, the TVs that you might be interested in might be a good fit based on your budgets as well. And I think then you jump into a specific customer reviews to verify what has been the experience. You know, were there any pitfalls? Were there any downfalls? You know, what's the longevity? Did people have issues after 30 days? Like all of those things that, you know, analysts or, or testers would not necessarily see as part of their, you know, short-term test. So I think there's a difference, again, where you are uh, um, if you're just starting your research and how you select and then verify verify certain things. Um, I think some of the challenges also with industry reviews, and, and you mentioned it uh, a little bit, is you don't necessarily know who actually reviewed it and what was their perspective, right? So we talked about how you have many different personas today. So if someone from the business side, for instance, reviews, it might be a different rating than a project manager that had to deal day to day with the implementation of that, of that solution. And I have seen it in the past where some of the frustration might come through you know, in the reviews, um, a business user that just works with the platform, they, they will have a completely different perspective and, and the review might look different. So it's kind of like hard sometimes to, uh, um, to kind of filter through some of those. The other challenge that I see, to be honest, right now, um, you know, and obviously in, in preparation, I just quickly looked at some of the, uh, the sites here that you mentioned as well. There's still not a good critical mass of reviews. So it's hard to kind of really get a neutral view across the board, right? So if you have only a handful, 10 reviews, and we all know a lot of the vendors, they kind of, they asked, you know, their, so to speak, best and happiest customers to put their reviews out it might not give you the right perception compared to if you look at Amazon around a product and there are 10,000 reviews of a specific product and it's easier to to kind of filter through some of this and get a pattern. 
What is then a level from your point of view where um, reviews are helpful on those platforms? Because uh, when you look at Shopify, for example, like for or other SMB solutions like WooCommerce, they sometimes have like hundreds of reviews, not thousands, not hundred thousands, uh, obviously, but hundreds of uh, uh, um, reviews. Um, obviously, they are also motivated by Shopify through an MPS scoring model. model. Uh, they would ask like rather the happy customers to get to give a review but is this good enough to uh, uh and i think it's not different with the analysts so when analysts are asking for custom references uh you always tend as a vendor to um to connect with the happy customer right so that that only makes sense so it's a, you know, it's a it has the same uh it it has the same uh um uh the, the same error rate uh, uh in the Uh, on the review basis so that those therefore i would not accept this as an argument uh because um analysts are are influenced the same way as uh, review platforms are influenced yeah what, what is interesting um just on a last note I, i think what is what is important to know that i haven't experienced that an analyst would um would recommend a specific platform they typically give you a range a number of platforms to look at <laughs> Um, so they don't make a specific recommendation in your case necessarily. If they don't drive um, a specific RFI or they drive it to an outcome, you know, based on a project or based on engagement that you have. So I think that's important, important to note. Um, the other thing, critical mass. I mean, you, you talked about, yes, I, I think, you know, the... The, the smaller SMB solutions, you will automatically have more reviews. They automatically have more customers. You know, a Shopify, just, you know, 10,000, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of customers. Um, it's also easier to, to write a review. Once you get into the enterprise space, it, it's just a totally different ballgame. Again, it's, it's not just about the complexity. It's all about, it's also like who is engaged there. And some of those, those practitioners, They don't want to even do a review, or they are they are bound by their, uh, you know, legal to uh, to not be even able to share some of the stuff. You know, some of those companies they are more happy to pick up the phone and talk to someone else, you know, about an implementation, about how they are using the platform in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and then putting it putting it out on the on the internet. Um, so and. The, the other thing that I would say is the, the difference between an analyst, for instance, and a review, in my opinion, too, and you should consider that as well, is, you know, that reviews are not necessarily comparative, in a sense, because you talk about your specific experience with that specific product, right? So, in a sense, you don't necessarily know how that same implementation would have been with a different platform necessarily, right? While the analyst, they, they should have the exp more the, the experience about the entire market, what platforms could be a potentially good fit, um, how they have been used. So there is an experience across a number of products and how they could potentially compare. Now, again, there, there are flaws and, you know, many people perceive the, pay for play kind of a thing um so so that might be a challenge right it's it's not comparative from a review perspective but then on the other hand analysts don't have the uh, or they have the disadvantage they never applied a product right they never implemented a product in a real world scenario so they basically uh, they leverage 
you know, their experience or their, their conversations with the practitioners uh, that they have. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. I, I get, I get it. Um, maybe it, it's going to be helpful to look a bit, a little bit back in time because when you joined this kind of uh, e-commerce um, circus, um, e-commerce platforms were rather new. So um, they were replacing a lot of proprietary ERP solutions uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and you have some analysts and some are now uh, in here like for one or two decades, like Mike Launders from Gartner. So he's like as long in the market as we are in the market, for example. So how did the how did the knowledge, um, the capacity um, of those analysts evolved over time? Have you seen like a... Uh, have you seen like a big change in the last like 10 years? Uh, um, is it easier now for newer analysts uh, that are joining Gartner or Forrester or IDC or other uh, analyst firms to understand what, what's happening? Because what we are seeing when um, you, uh, you people joining the e-commerce industry, it's very hard to get um, all the historic relations and what happening, what what was happened uh, happening at City Mexico in 2012 and like five years before and who was doing what. So and I guess it's the same with analysts. So from your experience and uh, and you've been uh, um, you've been working with analysts now for yeah, yeah over a decade um, at least. So what is this kind of learning curve uh, um, learning curve development you could observe? What what about that? Yeah, I would say that. Again, the, the, the complexity, uh, if we talk about digital commerce, um, certainly increased. So if I just look at, you know, Gartner and a team, we started out and, and having engagements with Gene Alvarez, who was the only person at Gartner covering the space, you know, about 10 years, 10 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Now you look at Gartner's team and it's, it's, it's a pretty good sized team, you know, double, covering different aspects of, of digital commerce, you know, from the business side, from the technology side, uh, specific components within digital commerce. So the team has grown over time uh, because of that complexity and the, and the focus of doing research in various aspects of, of digital commerce. What you also see is with the emergence of new technologies, you know, adjacent technologies around digital commerce, you have a lot of practices that that are just adjacent to, to digital commerce that you need to cover. You know, like you have certain shifts into uh, the digital customer experience, which is a big, big aspect, right? But it's covered now a little bit outside. Before it was just commerce as a block, so to speak, um, which read, kind of was fairly well-defined. Now it's just the lines got very, very blurry. And you know, you're, you're typically you're not just engaging with one or two analysts covering, again, the, the core commerce space, but with, with quite a number of analysts. I think that is, that, is the, that is the biggest change, in my opinion. So more, more specialized um, analysts for all the, all the topics, which is, it makes it even harder for new analysts to, um, to be an e- expert in e-commerce. The same happened actually to the e-commerce experts like 20 years ago. You were expert like an e-commerce in uh, email marketing, in product management, in, uh, in, um, in affiliate marketing. And now you have like um, every discipline has its own expert. You can't be expert uh, in everything um, anymore. Let's, let's take the last minute to compare like um, how analyst behavior or analyst usage is um, different in the US versus uh, Europe. Because if we are looking, especially for the DAC markets or Central European markets uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, to the different enterprise companies I know about, 
the, the usage of analyst competences is, is very different from what we are seeing like on a, on, on a market like UK or um, or um, um, US. So often companies, they don't, they don't even think about having a, a Gartner or Forrester uh, license. So when they are getting their recommendation, usually from their agencies or from consultancies doing uh, projects before e-commerce. So there's no analyst involvement at all. It's very different uh, functioning market. Um, do, do you see it the same or is it maybe even the same in the US and we are just biased uh, uh, too much? Yeah, I mean, if we look at, again, I think most companies are larger companies that engage with the with the analyst communities. I mean, you know, typically it's not necessarily cheap to have that engagement. And you have to, it's also like you have to make it worthwhile. So you have to invest. And it's not just a monetary investment. It's also a time investment. And I think many, many folks maybe in Europe, they, they just look, okay, it's as a short-term engagement to find the right platform and you go from there i think companies here in the us and the enterprise side they look at it from a strategic partnership perspective right they look into the long-term engagement um, with the analyst community uh, to kind of really review what has been done how the market is changing how the industry is changing how they can be a uh, um, you know in, in a, a player in the market how they can create thought leadership, uh, how they can create a competitive advantage. So I think it's, it's, you can leverage and you should be leveraging the analyst um, community, uh, you know, to its fullest. And, and they do all those different, they provide all these different facets, you know, technology recommendations, but, but more so really like, how do you drive your business? And, and so, so I think that's, that's an, really a, a important piece but i think not not many companies are necessarily structured to have that type of engagement and interaction with uh, with the analyst community you know to drive the business forward you know with um uh, with with experts in the market in a sense mm. okay and um from the from the deals you have been involved in in the us in the last 10 years um in the on only us so in how many deals uh, percentage wise was an analyst involved in doing a recommendation doing some assessment something like this yeah it's interesting i haven't necessarily seen many deals where the analyst or an analyst was involved as part of the evaluation now a lot of deals are influenced by the uh, digital commerce evaluations like the Forrester Waves, the Mar Gartner Magic Quadrants, the IDC Marketscapes, uh, and so on. So many, many companies now, client, are they clients or not of, of a specific analyst, they look at these reports to see who are the, uh, the players in the market, how are they ranked, uh, what are some of the cautions, uh, what are the, the benefits of the different platforms. And that's how many, many practitioners shortlist. Um, what is interesting on the opposite side, while an analyst might not drive really an evalua uh, evaluation of a platform, many customers that I have faced and I have interacted with, they have analyst relations. So they, they are Gartner or Forrester clients. So they talk to the analysts about, about their business and, and what they have done and what the analysts see in the market. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I to I, to I totally agree. So um, again, I don't think those um, those quadrants, uh, hectagons, octagons, or whatever uh, you name it, ha do have such a big influence in the core European markets, rather UK, obviously, and on a on a on a, on a global level, um, they are even more. Uh, um, more biased than customer reviews because it's a very very aggregated uh, aggregated views uh, which you try to uh, where we try to um, place vendors which in a two dimensional matrix uh, which is which is often a very limited approach. I do understand where it comes from and people do like ratings, uh, um, uh, um, but uh, um, it's, it's it's most likely a very misleading um setup so for example in magic magic Rodden, as you as you name it um still the sap hybris um uh, on-premise platform which is by most experts and most practitioners in the market uh named as a platform which is uh, uh which is outdated now since years um so no serious uh, um, enterprise would uh, would uh, look at this platform for like a new progressive e-commerce project. It's still uh, it's still used a lot because um, they, had a, they had a big installation base. Because of this big usage in the Magic Quadrant, it's placed very high. So <laughs> so uh, and this this only shows the limitations of this um, of this uh, um, of this um, um, of this tools. Uh, again, I get it where it comes from, and we are also part of the game and try to get uh, a better uh, a better ranking. But from a customer perspective, in this case, a customer is a company trying to get new software. It's still it's it's not getting easier to select the right vendor because the vendor comes with an agency and an industry partner uh, uh, um, uh, set up. So so maybe we can agree on even with review platforms now. And analyst recommendations, it's it's even getting harder than like 10 years ago uh, to select the right partner for you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, everything has to be taken with a, with a grain of salt, right? Um, and you kind of have to dig through the weeds how an evaluation was done, what the criteria were for that specific evaluation. And, and that's important. Like many of these reports, they actually provide you also the tools and people forget. Many people just look at a graph and the placement of the company or the product within a, the wave, within the magic quadrants, right? Or the marketscape. And that picture doesn't give you the real details, right? And I think, or, or many of these reports, they actually give you also the option to change the, the weight of the different criteria. And that's important. If you have a, um, a certain emphasis on the ease of integration or, you know, microservices versus, versus, I don't know, cookie cutter solution, you know, and other things you can, you can adjust that, you know, Forrester, for instance, they provided this a big Excel sheet. If you're a customer of theirs and you can define your own weights for the different criteria and then see how, uh, the solution landscape shapes up um, based on that. And, and that might completely change um, in that sense. But I think it, it's it's important that don't just use one source, right, uh, for as part of the evaluation. It, it, I think it should be a combination. It, it applies to anything. Either you, you know, you pick your car, your TV, uh, what have you. You know, because I, t I talked to a colleague, actually, since you mentioned that's going to be our topic. I have a good friend who is a chief digital officer and has been for, for quite a few companies. And I was like, 
hey, what's your take? You know, how do you take the first step when you when you have to pick a platform? You know, and his response was, he doesn't trust the analysts. Um, and he talks to people that he knows in the space and kind of gets their feedback and their opinion. So I think, again, a combination, be it like colleagues within your organization, be it like uh, other folks in your um you know in pro in your professional um landscape uh be it like trade shows and and conference which we don't have as much right now in a sense um as well as these reviews and 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 analysts i think the combination of those uh will help you greatly to to narrow it down and get a better view um and a more <laughs> trusted view um around the uh, the ecosystem and what might be the best fit I, I will take this as the podcast title, um, uh, 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 CIO quote. I don't trust the analysts. That's a, that's a good title for, uh, for the, for the podcast. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we are above our 30 minute, uh, line and we said, okay, we wanted to only do like short takes, some updates from the US, from, uh, uh from, from Europe, Europe. Uh, we're going to see, uh, when we're going to record the next, um, episode, I think in a week or two weeks, uh, um, from now. Thank you. Uh, and see you then next week. Yeah, Alex. I hope you liked this episode. Please give us a review on the review platforms from iTunes or Spotify. This could help us a lot or recommend this podcast to a friend. See you next week. Yeah.